What is going on, my friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Mental Corner Podcast, the show where I bring on guests from all different backgrounds to talk all the things mental health. I'm your host, Harry Poppin, and today I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by Emerson Edwards. Emerson is a mental health and anti-bullying advocate. He was also the winner of the Spirit of Hope Award in 2020, which is an award made to honor and celebrate those that have overcome mental health or addiction challenges or have made impactful contributions to the mental health care or addiction fields. Emerson was such a blast to have on, and I really want to thank him again for coming on and having this super important discussion with me. And I wanted to put a trigger warning before this episode because we do really dive into suicidal ideation, body dysmorphia, the impacts mentally on bullying, and all of that stuff. So if these are potential triggers for you, please just skip the video. And man, shout out to every Canadian who's listening right now. The weather's warming up. It was a little up in the air, you know, the last couple of weeks, but it's starting to warm up. The masks are leaving, you know, the mandates are gone. I don't like the word normal, but we're getting back to a place that feels a little... I don't even know the word. It's just, there's a good vibe going on and I'm very excited for the next couple weeks. So shout out to all the Canadians who, you know, persevered through this cold, long winter. We're coming out the other side stronger. Now, before we get into the episode today, guys, you know the drill. If you're listening, please like, comment, share, subscribe, give five stars if you're on that podcast platform. Share with someone who might want to hear this episode. It's a really great one and I can't wait for you to listen. I'll talk to you all very soon. Have a great rest of your day. Peace. good to go. Emerson, what's going on, man? Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So my first question for all my guests, it's a pretty broad one, but what got you, what made you become an anti-bullying and a mental health advocate? Like where, where did that start? Yeah. I mean, I feel like it started where most of this starts for a lot of mental health advocates of just, you know, going through a lot of bad stuff and then learning your way out of it through trial and error and then just hoping to guide others to the same conclusion however it helps them um my basic gist was uh, i was bullied for about a decade in the the school system um through pretty much jk through grade eight and uh yeah obviously like we know bullying leads to a lot of mental health disorders and so um right around second year of high school i got diagnosed with depression anxiety ptsd ocd and uh, nightmare disorder. So um, it, it was just totally out of nowhere. I had not learned anything about these illnesses before I was diagnosed with them. And so it just kind of left me grasping at anything I could hold on to, to kind of make sense of it all. And so, um, yeah, my life went downhill pretty quick. And uh, within a couple of months, I had an attempt that was pretty serious and so um just having worked my way out of it with therapy medication and just hard work I really just my big thing is I don't want people to suffer like I did um yeah that's that's what drives me to do this today so Mm, yeah amazing man when did the when did the bullying for you start you said it was over a decade how old were you when that started um so JK, I would have been three years old when it started. So, um, I mean, technically it's classified as bullying. I think it's just kids picking on other kids. When you're right. that young, it's 
it's um just a lot of uh, you're stupid you're dumb new words not knowing how to communicate properly um but i'd say the really bad bullying started grade one or two um i was always a bigger guy and um i was the only person in my school that looked different um i was the only overweight kid and it was just from a young age i just consistently grew 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 there was no spurt of anything so I was just kind of always a little bigger than everybody else couldn't keep up as well in gym class and people started to notice and people pick apart what they don't notice or don't understand and you know as we even grew older people had their own insecurities and doubts that they they cast on the person that would take it and I guess in this situation it was me yeah yeah man that I I kind of had a similar experience in elementary school because I was a bigger kid as well and when kids see that, they see that easy target, it's just, it's like cats to a fish, man. They just launch at it. Yeah. And I mean, I, I would classify myself as like a gentle giant. I, I don't want to hurt people. Um, <laughs> I have the facilities to hurt people, but <laughs> it's just, it's never been who I am. Um, and I would just kind of lie there and take it. It was, very verbal in the beginning um just the general you know idiot stupid all that you know casual bullying stuff and then you know as I consistently got bigger it turned into stuff directly about my weight and directly about how I looked different from everybody else and so uh yeah as you can imagine like that really starts to weigh on you know who you are and the the beliefs you hold about your own body image and your own kind of self-image which you know in those integral growing parts of your 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 life where you're supposed to be figuring out who you are and what you love about yourself everybody's taking it from you because you know every day at school I'd be hearing you're fat and worthless like you're a piece of crap like those are things that nobody wants to hear um but especially at a young age that really shapes how you look and perceive yourself going forward it's unfortunate because you're so easily influenced as a, as a kid. And like you're saying, you're just trying to grab any sort of like explanation to why you're that way. And yeah. like, it, it's so hard because you're trying to figure out why you look different. Like my whole, my whole time as a kid growing up, I was like, why am I so much bigger than all my friends? Like, well, like I don't get it. And the only explanation you ever get is you're just fat, you're worthless, you're dumb. And you have no other you know, idea to combat it. So you're just like, well, shit, I guess I am. Yeah. And I mean, looking back now, like I've, I've been through a weight loss journey, just, just over a hundred pounds. And wow, that's all because medicine just kind of gave me an answer of like, your thyroid is whack. That's the reason you're bigger. That's the reason you've always been bigger. Your food is processed a different way than your peers because you have an imbalance of hormones in your thyroid. And so you know, I was on meds for a while that improved my thyroid. And now I'm pretty self-sufficient in continuing to lose weight, which I mean, in all honesty, I started the weight loss for the wrong reasons. I started it to, to prove the bullies wrong and say like, you know, what you said can't hurt me anymore because it's not true. But as I've kind of worked my way through that hundred pounds, even still some days, I'm like, I don't see a difference. Like I still see the fat chubby kid that everybody made fun of. And so 
it's been a lot of work to to mentally reframe who I am and um, the visual things that have changed in my life. Um, because until very recently, I still believed them. Like when yeah. you hear everything, when you hear shit every day for six, eight years, you believe it. And a thought in my mind I always had until recently was I've been bullied more in my life than I have not. Hmm. Like I've spent 10 years of my life, I'm only 19, being bullied and nine years not being bullied. And it's just kind of insane to think that like, you know, this awful wall of terrible things that have been said about me has been built up in my mind and I have to chip away every single day at that bullshit that I was told my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy because even if it's like a, a small, relatively innocent, well, I don't want to say innocent, but a, a minor thought like, Hey, you're stupid or Hey, you're fat, like something minor like that. If it's a one-time thing, you know, you hear it, you're like, well, that's kind of mean. But if it's every day, like you just mentioned, that's building some, some wall in your head that's going to convince you later or just crumble. And yeah. now you, you were saying that, um, you know, you were bullied for over a decade and then nine years of not bullied. So the bullying didn't carry, carry on through high school. No, I was, uh, I was pretty lucky. Um, I mean, all through elementary school, I didn't have friends because most of the class at certain points would be picking on me because I was the different one. Yeah. And it was this kind of gang mentality of, you know, there's 500 kids in the whole school. I share the same 30 kids through every class. Like, you know, it's the same kids all the time. Teachers aren't as prevalent in elementary school. Um, then I transitioned to high school. There was 1,200 kids in my school and I shared a class with maybe two kids I knew for my first semester. And then I kind of shut everybody else up when I joined the football team. That was, you know, it's, it's stupid to think that clicks kind of gives you a standing in high school, but it's kind of stupid to, to think they don't because as soon as I joined the football team, I was somebody. Like right. I was, I was just an alignment, but at the end of the day, people are like, Oh my gosh, she's on the football team. Don't mess with him. <laughs> like, right. and that wasn't who I was, but that's how everybody perceived me all of a sudden. And I mean, even in grade six, when the bullying was at its worst, um, that's when it turned physical. And most days I would just be getting beat up. And there came a day when I just got sick of the shit and fought back. And everybody else was like, oh, let's not mess with him anymore. Mm. Um, which I still hate that I, I turned to, to f like being physical. But um, in the end, I guess it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it gets to a point where you don't have a choice. That's the unfortunate yeah. thing is like you want to stay true to yourself and who you are as this kind, gentle being. But I mean, at some point. It, you're going to end up it, it's it's an because I had something similar to that because I would when I was in elementary school I got beat up as well in like grade six seven because apparently it was fun to punch me it was fun to hit me and it was a good way for other people to let their stress out and I was like well if everyone else is happy then I guess I'm happy too but then it got to a point where I was like can you guys not like it it hurts I have bruises and then I fought back 
and they were like same same kind of scenario they're like okay we we don't want to mess with him but then you yourself feel so shitty about it because you're like who am i i just lashed out and hit someone so how did you balance that because on the one hand you had the okay finally they're gonna respect me in some regard and not bully me physically anymore but then you also had that battle of who even am i like am i gonna stay true to myself because i just went against everything i believe in yeah i mean the bullying at that point was so severe that i didn't have anywhere else to turn um we had a new student join our school in end of grade five and um he was the same size as me for the first time in my life i i'd met and been around somebody the same size as me Hmm. and so mostly the bullying before then was verbal because anybody who was harassing me and bullying me knew that if they ever fought me, they wouldn't stand a chance. Like, you know, I'm thinking back to like, you know, I was probably 250 pounds in grade six and Mm. kids around me are like a buck 15. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) as much as I hate comparing body sizes like that, they knew that if they messed with me physically, they would not come out as the victor in that situation, even though they knew I'm not a like a violent person. But when this certain person came and was the same size as me, he would tackle me to the ground and get physical. And it's like the very little physical bullying I experienced up to this point was not bad because again, like I'm massive compared to a lot of these kids. They can't hurt me in the way that somebody my size can. Mm. Like I have a fairly high pain tolerance. And like, even if I was punched by one of the smaller kids, it wasn't something that I would bat an eye at. Whereas now it's like serious physical. Like I have bruises every day. Um, I'm scarred. Like even today I have scars that remind me like, this is what happened to you. Like I would be stabbed with pencils and sticks and just about anything he could get his hands on. And then the school um, was trying their best, but it wasn't quick enough to, to help me. And so basically it got to a point where the student threatened to kill me with uh, specific weapons and some other kid heard it. And I thought nothing of it. We're in grade six. What's he going to do? Right. So the kid went home, told their mom and the police got involved and found those two weapons with ammunition at the kid's house um, that he had illegally. Um, from a brother or father something like that and so um, that's kind of what triggered a lot of my PTSD of you know wow I could have died you know like it took one more day and that could have been very serious but um, yeah like with with somebody my size I also didn't feel as bad getting physical because it hurt me now like, right. and I never started a fight my whole time being bullied. And, you know, my parents tried putting me through karate and even there I was different. I wasn't as flexible as the other kids, but I learned how to protect myself and fight defensively so that I can get them to stop hitting me. So I have enough time to get away. And, you know, that's pretty much the only time I ever used force is to protect myself and others after the fight had been started by somebody else. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, even today, like there was an incident in high school where I broke a guy's nose by accident, just 
because he punched me first and out of anger got the better of me in the moment. I hit him once and broke his nose because he was bullying somebody else. And just, it was a moment of weakness, but looking back, I think I did the right thing just the wrong way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Man, how that whole weapon thing is crazy. So with that whole situation that occurred, what happened to the kid? So he, the weapons were, were seized and he was back at school the next day. So it took, it took another four months after that for him to get expelled. And that only happened after we were walking in from recess and another kid had stood up for me and we're walking in and a teacher's kind of chaperoning us in. And then this bully comes up and takes my friend's head and slams it into the wall. And the teacher sees it and drags the kid to the principal's office and he finally got expelled um, after about a year and a half of physical altercations on the daily and physically abusing a bunch of students. And we went into lockdown because of this student. Um, looking back, obviously there was a lot of suppressed emotion and most likely mental illness involved in his life. And, you know, I really, I want the best for him because, you know, I've seen that dark place and I don't think anybody should live there, but, um, it's no excuse to act like an asshole. Right. Yeah. It, so a weapon doesn't warrant an expulsion, but an altercation four months later does. Yeah. I think the, the big thing for the school and obviously not having been in those office, um, for that conversation, I think because he never brought it to school and it was just a possession in the household. It, it was a little different. I feel like, you know, if, if it was brought to school, we'd have a lot of a different story, right. but, um, you know, the, the threatening obviously wasn't okay. And I think he might've gotten suspended over that, but he was back within a week, um, which, you know, the school deals with it in their own way. And, um, I'm actually working with the school board right now to work towards having a better solution for bullying. So, right. Yeah. That's amazing, man good because we need it like we had yeah. in my well in most elementary schools most schools in general there's just these there's not and I, i'm not trying to bash the schools or anything i'm just saying there's not really effective processes in place for bullying for threatening for harassment for anything like that it there were a lot of times where it would happen you would break the students up and be like okay they're fine now it's it's there's got to be more in place so what are not not to veer too far off your story, but like, wh what are you doing uh, with the school now? Like, what are you working with them towards? Yeah, so I've been hired um, as a contractor for the school board, and um, I'm uh, facilitating a um, student advocacy group. So basically, the school board's been collecting data for the last two to three years on what needs to change from parents, facilitators, teachers, and students mm -hmm. and community groups that they're listening to. They've taken all of this information that they collected at a bunch of panel sessions across the board, and they're having three groups filter through it. So there's a community group one, there's a parent group, and there's a student group, but I'm facilitating the student group. So um, basically we act as a filter to advise on where the school board needs to focus their efforts 
from a student perspective, which is very important to mm. listen to the students. Um, so yeah, I think the school board's really working hard to, to fix the issue that's happened. Um, they've definitely accepted that it wasn't right for a long time and it's, it's looking up. Man. Yeah, no, that's, that's super important because the student yeah. voice is often not represented. Mm-hmm. You need that, man. I love that. Yeah. Now, now I wanted to go back to your story for a little bit for, yeah. you were talking about you, you were in a dark place. What, what was going through your head when you were in this dark time of bullying of, you know, I, I'm sure you experienced body dysmorphia and like a, a struggle to find self-love. Like what was going through your head during all of this? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't diagnosed with all of my stuff until grade 10. So yeah, like I would have been, you know, 16, 17. Um, I w- yeah, I wasn't diagnosed till then, but I'm almost positive. Um, I had some sort of, sort of uh, body dysmorphia, um, eating disorder. And I would go through these waves of, you know, binge eating because well, first off, I wouldn't eat at school. I didn't eat at school for probably four years. Mm-hmm. Like I would take my school, I'd throw it out every single day because I didn't want to see them. Like I didn't want them to see me eat, basically. Right. And there were instances where like I would be forced to eat by them or I would have food thrown at me from across the room or, you know, just terrible things that where do they get these ideas of you know, ways to hurt people. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like even still I'm in the gym six days a week, I've lost a hundred pounds. I don't always see a difference. And I try my best not to focus on numbers because I'm a broad shouldered guy. I know I'll never be, you know, 190 pounds healthy, like with where I'm headed, I'm probably going to level out at around 250. And this just also brings in the whole societal expectations of you know, all the media we consume of like Marvel movies and Star Wars and like every movie we see, James Bond, they're all like washboard abs, shredded, like middle of the road, super fit, dehydrated guys. Like, Hmm. and that's something I'm really trying to change because, you know, a natural guy does not look like that. Um, Hugh Jackman on the set of Wolverine, he didn't drink water for four days to get the the washboard abs he had in that movie and it's like for fantasies that's great for you know for superheroes that's awesome but a regular guy doesn't look like that um yeah so i mean i'm trying my best to to reframe how i see myself and um just through a lot of work i'm having a more healthy relationship with food because something i also realized through my weight loss is if you starve yourself, you're just going to gain weight because every single time you starve yourself, every hour you don't eat, your body is going to conserve all of those calories that you put into your body the next time you eat because your body doesn't know when food is coming next. So it just holds on to it and puts it right into fat reserves. And it's so much harder to burn if you're starving yourself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like it's, it's been a long journey for sure. Um, I hated myself. I hated how I looked pretty much through 
most of elementary and high school. And uh, when I went to that really dark place, it was just so much self-hatred and intrusive thoughts. And just, I fully believed that my life was worthless, that I had no purpose in being here. And so during that dark time, I had probably about four attempts. Um, and I really consider one of them to be close and by the skin of my teeth survived. Like I, uh, I live near the escarpment in, in Hamilton. And one night I just woke up, decided I was done feeling like shit all the time. And I jumped. It's probably a 30 foot drop. And for whatever reason, by the craziest stroke of luck, I fell into a pine tree and it broke my fall. Um, I dislocated my shoulder on the way down and hit the ground. I got up, popped my shoulder back into place and I walked home at like 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> wow. <sighs> Yeah, I, I kind of shouldn't be here today, realistically. And so um, my big thing with advocacy and mental health is there has to be a click. There has to be a point where you decide that you're done feeling like shit and you need to change something and need to work towards getting better. And having had that click it's so hard like it's it's not easy to get better but that click for me happened as soon as i jumped off the ledge hmm. as soon as my feet left the ground i knew that it was the biggest mistake of my life and you know since then like you know i've had ideations of suicide but it's never formulated into a plan because i've promised myself that i would never stoop that low again Right. Um, and having lost two friends to it as well, I know the pain that people experience when when somebody leaves the world um, by their own hands, and it hurts like hell because you wish you could have helped them. When you know, if their their mind is made up, there's not much you can do. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Now, did you did you tell anyone? When it happened, like when you walked home, did you tell anyone what had happened that day? Nope. I kept it to myself for probably about a year. A year? Yeah. Was it, how, like after that whole incident happened, like how did you view life and yourself and everything around you for that year where you kept it to yourself? I mean, I was on a waiting list for the longest time and to... About two months after my attempt, I was accepted to therapy, finally, um, like a specialist in the things I'd been struggling with. And so it was a lot of hard work in therapy, but, you know, I put in the work and through CBT was really what saved my life. Um, just I've reframed life as a whole. And honestly, like, it hasn't really hit me until the last couple of years of my life where it's like, you know, I'm 19. I haven't been to school yet. I graduated in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I actually have a life now. Like, I don't know what I want to do with this life. I didn't plan on being here this long. 
like it's just it's so strange to me um that i have a whole life ahead of me that i wasn't expecting three years ago and even the little things like you know i had to grow up a lot faster than most kids do because of the trauma i experienced at a young age and so i think like it was about three months ago i was on my way home from the gym it just started pouring rain and in my tank top and shorts and sneakers i just jumped in puddles like and just enjoyed it because i'd never had a chance as a kid to actually enjoy life and so that's been a lot of the the reframing that's happened since that attempt and in the years since that it's just been you know like i know i have a purpose here and you know this experience as shitty as it was that allows me to show people that you know you can come back from it you know that dark place isn't a death sentence um it shouldn't have to be. And there's ways for that click to happen without jumping off a ledge. And I mean, that's my big goal is to help people find that click before it gets to the point of, you know, no return. I was, I was really lucky that didn't kill me. And so, you know, I've, I've been using my platform and using my voice to, to show that, you know, if you're in the shit, kind of take it and just be better the next day. Mm. Man, I love that, dude. Yeah. What when did you when did you um finally decide to speak up about it and be the mental health anti-bullying advocate because it's terrifying coming from a guy who's a mental health advocate who, you know, tried to take his life and all hated himself or it's it's probably one of the scariest things ever when you finally are like hey man i went through some shit and i want to make sure no one else does like what what pushed you to become the advocate that you are yeah so um i think losing my two friends to suicide was a big part of it um and pretty much since my attempt was a big part of it too of just you know that i'm not going this low ever again how can i help others um, and it really catapulted for me. Um, there was a bullying related death in Hamilton, um, about three years ago. And I saw that in the news and part of me was like, that was almost me. Mm. And the media was portraying it as the first ever bullying related death in Canada. And I mean, I think that couldn't be more far from the truth. There's been thousands of people who have killed themselves because of bullying. Just because it wasn't at the hands of somebody else doesn't mean it wasn't because of bullying. Right. And having almost been, you know, a statistic for for suicide because of bullying, that uh, that really resonated with me. Um, the kid was 14, got stabbed at school. Um, it sent a shock through Hamilton. The whole community rallied around this one incident. And that's what prompted the school board to, you know, we're, we're promising to do better. And so I found a group um, local to me called Voices Against Bullying. Um, they started up about six days after the incident. And within about two months, they amassed about 2000 followers on a Facebook group. Mm. And we had a big 
you know, keynote speech event where I was able to get up and talk about my experience and kind of rally around the support in Hamilton. Um, and it got picked up by The Spectator, which is our local newspaper. It got all the way to Toronto. I was covered by CBC. And I just like, it was just like a game time decision for me. Um, because I knew that, you know, if something didn't change, this would not be the last person to die of this. And, you know, having come as close as I did, I knew that another wasn't far behind, especially in Hamilton. We have pretty bad gang violence and um, just rougher parts of town than a lot of Ontario and Canada. But um, yeah, I just took the leap, which was terrifying. Mm. <laughs> um, and then within a year, I just kind of blew up a little bit within the anti-bullying community in Canada and just kind of used my voice as a young person because a lot of people don't talk about this stuff as young people because of how scary it is. Um, you know, I was 16 when I first started talking about it and everybody was like, oh my gosh, you're so young. It's like, yep, but I want to help people who are younger than me because, you know, they don't have the voice yet. Right. So it, it was crazy. My life turned around really fast. Um, I was nominated for the Spirit of Hope Award, um, which is through um, St. Joseph's or um, Joseph Brandt Hospital. And um, I ended up winning the award <laughs> within, you know, a year of turning my life around. Um, two years after an attempt, I won this award. It's just like, I don't know, part of me still doesn't think I deserve it. I haven't taken the, you know, the glass trophy out of its box because, you know, part of me is like, I still got work to do. Mm. It's like, you know, I know I earned that, but, you know, there's the still that self-deprecating side of what I'm working through of like, did I really earn this? Right. So I'm working towards, you know, making a trophy case. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. And then, uh, yeah, just within the last year in 2020, I, um, I got, um, suicide prevention trained and that was a very defining moment for me in my life that, you know, within three years, you know, I've, I've gone from a suicidal mess that very nearly died to somebody who can support others in that time of crisis, which, you know, it's a pretty big script flip. <laughs> yeah. No kidding, man. Yeah. Oh, man. I love all this stuff because it, we need more voices like that. And you mentioned it already when you were 16, you opened up about it. W was there ever a hesitancy with you because of the fact that you were so young? Like, did you ever think, cause for me, when I first opened up about stuff, I was like 20 and I was still afraid to because people were like, what do you know? Like, you're too young. You, you don't even know what the real world is yet. It's like, well, I know when I feel like crap. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's all stuff I've had to think about. And, you know, in the moment when I decided to speak out, I was blissfully unaware that people would react to me that way. Um, 
I've always been kind of an old soul. Um, and like I said, grew up a lot faster than a lot of kids um, just because of what I experienced. And I don't know, people have always said I have this kind of way I carry myself where they feel like they're talking to an adult, even when I was 16. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, that helped me. But at the same time, it's like, I would be lying if I didn't say that I've had to fight for every inch of support that I've given. And, you know, I've been on countless boards or committees or, you know, efforts. And every step of the way, there's always been an adult that will talk over me that will, you know, throw away my opinion because I'm a kid will discredit my experiences because of how young I am. And, you know, I've, I've really learned how to react to those people of, you know, I'm not done talking or, you know, I'm the person with the most recent experience in this, especially in the school board. Mm-hmm. You know, it's amazing to have bullying survivors from 30 years ago that can give a seasoned input on, you know, things they've learned since then. But there's very few voices talking about recent issues because most of those kids are still in school with the people, excuse me, that are bullying them. And it's so hard to speak out when your bully sits next to you in algebra. Like, yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's just kind of, I was in a lucky position where most of my bullying had finished by high school um, and I could speak out, but you know, a lot of people don't have that luxury and um, you know, people have discredited me. People have, you know, thrown away my opinion because I'm young, but at the end of the day, they can do all they want with what I say, but you know, I'm still making, you know, steps in a positive direction with the right people. Mm-hmm. They can say all you want, all they want, but they don't have to build a trophy case for their awards. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I wanted to be cocky, I'd say something like that. <laughs> you don't have to be. I'll be cocky for you. No, um, yeah. Did did opening up and doing all this advocacy work and getting to the spot where you are now? How has it improved or impacted your view of yourself or your self worth? Yeah, I mean. I hadn't processed a lot of the bullying until I actually stood up and spoke about it. Um, And even still, like I have suppressed memories because of my PTSD that kind of, you know, pop up every now and again. It's like, Oh, did that happen? Or is my brain making that? Mm. And so um, I think by helping others and learning the techniques of how to support others, I can really support myself too. Um, It was a pretty drastic shift. For me and I obviously I still struggle with body image issues and you know the the longer lasting stuff but I feel like a lot of the immediate hurt and pain and you know the even some of the longer lasting stuff from my bullying I've been able to work through just by helping others um and I've confronted a lot of it too or just like I know I wasn't the problem like you know there's there's reasons why people will say cruel things and reasons why people will do awful things and you know i believe that hurt people hurt people and so 
my big goal is to have support for both the victim and the perpetrator in a bullying dynamic because you know i know that all of my bullies were struggling with something we're suppressing something we're we're just not dealing with something that was taking a big toll on them whether it was you know family life or suppressing sexuality or any number of things it could be and it's just like you know my big goal is to support everybody with mental health um even if you don't have an illness because mm -hmm. you know you don't need an illness to care about your mental health and i don't think you need an illness to learn how to cope with mental illness because you know i wish i had learned cbt before i actually had anxiety and depression because you know when i finally got anxiety and depression got diagnosed with it i would have known how to deal with it and you know different types of therapy are very helpful for even just working your way through life and so my big goal is to get more accessible um mental health support especially in schools because i think that's where it's really needed yeah oh yeah 100 percent. yeah man if if people are listening um who may i've got two angles to the same question here but let's go with the friend angle if, if you're a friend of someone who's being bullied in school because it's so easy for people from the outside looking in and i've done this too i'm guilt i'm not innocent of this to look and be like stand up for your friend like, what are you doing? But when you're in that position and when you're in that situation, it's a lot harder to stand up to anybody. It's terrifying. So as a friend of someone who's being bullied and you're seeing it firsthand, like how can they either stand up or give support to that friend who desperately needs it? Yeah. I mean, I think the big thing is age. It depends what age you are and how comfortable you are standing up. Um, because, you know, all through school, you're told, don't be a bystander. Yep. But they don't tell you how to stand up for somebody or how to upstand. Like, right. you know, they say, don't be a bystander. But it's like, you get mad at me for breaking up a fight or for stepping in. So teach me how you want me to support people in this situation. So, I mean, I think as important as it is to stop something in the moment, mostly if it's physical um i'd say just do your best to find somebody who can intervene like a teacher like an adult um because realistically just because you're friends with somebody who's being bullied does not mean anybody has to put their body on the line and i think adding another person into that mix is just going to complicate the situation so much more to the point where now you could also become a victim as the friend and so i think i don't know i think the biggest thing is just be there after the situation is over be there after to listen to support however you do that or however this friend needs the support um because i remember like not having friends really sucks right. <laughs> and being alone with the thoughts and with the negativity that you experience every day that really that's what builds that wall of crap in your head is being alone with the thoughts that you've heard all day. And so to be, you know, a loving, caring friend after the fact and, you know, 
supporting however this person needs support is I think the best way to go about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point, man. Yeah. That being alone crap. Oh my God, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, and that's, that's the thing too. That's something I I say on the podcast all the time is like, sometimes we try to overcomplicate our support, but like you just said, if you're just there for them, that's a, a light, not even a game changer. It's a life changer. Just sitting there with them after and being like, well, that sucked. That's huge. Yeah. So on the other side of that question, if you're the one who's getting bullied and you have that wall of crap building up, what would you want to tell them? Like how, how can they stand up for themselves without escalating the situation and making things worse? Yeah, this is super tricky because, you know, bullies will feed off of two types of people. Um, Bullies will feed off the people who, you know, go quiet and just allow it to happen. Bullies also feed off of the people who get explosive and angry and want to fight because bullies most of the time are looking for a reaction. Mm-hmm. And so as hard as it is in the moment, um, a friend of mine, Kathleen Helchi, has built up this idea of being strong and kind. She's a genius. Um, she's a bullying expert. Um, has so many degrees I can't even count. (laughs) And so her whole philosophy is strong and kind. So I actually did a session with her and she had me write out everything I want to say to this one person who was bullying me at the time. It was an adult who didn't believe in what I was saying Mm -hmm. and was being incredibly unprofessional. And so she had me write out everything I wanted to say, all the FUs, the shut ups, everything on a piece of paper. And then she said, how can we turn that into strong and kind so you know this situation continues to frustrate me i will no longer be putting up with this behavior yours truly ever (laughs) so it's it's being able to shut down the altercation without giving them a reaction and that's so hard to learn um especially when you're young like i think that's where the mental health support has to come in we live in a reactive society of supporting people after and we need to support people before as well, because if we're supporting the, the perpetrators of the bullying dynamic, chances are they won't have to take it on on somebody else. Um, and I mean, until that happens, I think the biggest thing is just to seek support for yourself after the situation, seek out that friend, talk to an adult, an adult you trust, um, use, you know, the, the call lines, the text lines, um, as hard as it is to get a therapist right now, try, because <laughs> that changed my life. Um, yeah, I think it's so hard in that moment, but, you know, there has to be a point where you break the, the, the cycle. Mm-hmm. I love it, man. Now, what's next for you and your advocacy work? Oh, hi. Still figuring that out. <laughs> um, I mean, I'd love to, you know, I've been thinking about starting my own podcast because I think I bring an important view to a lot of different aspects. I mean, just within my lifespan, I've experienced quite a bit of shit. Like, you know, um, 
I had a really bad relationship where I was sexually and physically assaulted. Um, I've suffered through eating disorders, body dysmorphia, a laundry list of mental illnesses and you know suicidal ideation, bullying. So I've kind of had a finger in each pie of what a lot of people experience. Yeah. And I think also from a male perspective, I really try my best to be an upstanding man because there's been a lot of talk recently about what a man is and what a man isn't. And I think, you know, I think it's just about being open and honest with emotions. Um, yeah, so I'm just really trying to be a positive influence for, for anybody that needs me. I'll be working with the school board for the next little while. And then with any luck, I'll be moving to bigger and better, whatever that means. I love it, man. Well, if, if my listeners want to keep up to date with whatever big and better is, like where can they where can they find you and your stuff? Yeah, I mean, probably just Instagram is probably my main source. Um, it's Emerson underscore 905. And then... Any personal or business inquiries can be sent to my email, um, em at mailcentral.ca. Um, even if people need a list of supports or just need somebody to talk to, I'm trained in lots of different therapeutic techniques. So if it's just even a peer-to-peer communication that somebody's needing or completely anonymous, um, more than welcome to reach out. I love it, man. And with that, we are done, Emerson. Thank you for the work you do. Thank you for coming on, man. This has been great. I I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for sharing other stories. Of course. And to all my listeners, I will see you guys next time. Mm